Hey everybody, you're listening to the 83rd episode of Two Views Movies Podcast on Marvel's Captain Marvel. Wanna ring the bell? Alright. Ding, ding. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Two Views Movies Podcast, a spoiler-filled podcast from Kansas City, Missouri, by two guys who love watching movies almost as much as we love arguing about them. I'm Garrett. And I'm Carson. And the day is finally here where we're we're knocking on the door of Avengers Endgame. <laughs> That's how I feel about finishing Captain Marvel. Not that I didn't enjoy it or that I wasn't looking forward to it, but I think everybody kind of feels like, okay, the last hurdle is here. Now let's just go to Avengers Endgame. Yeah, you just gave me a little taste of who is this person and what's she going to do. Just a little bit of backstory on her before, you know, she unleashes hell on Thanos. Right. So I I feel like any movie that would have been in this time slot would have suffered from that same thing. So it's not a knock on Captain Marvel. You could have put Thor Ragnarok here. You could have put Black Panther here. And I think it wouldn't have mattered. It's so close to Endgame that you're just like, all right, let's just go. Yeah, I I think timing was good that it's had, I guess, Spider-Man. No, I'm sorry. Ant-Man and the Wasp, it's had almost a year. And so that was, what, July of last year? Yeah. And so we've had a good Marvel break for a while that it came out. So is anticipation is high. And Captain Marvel is a pretty badass character. And so I think a lot of people were waiting for it. But I think we all knew that it, it was going to really pale in comparison to uh, to Endgame. Which I guess my point is anything would be paling in comparison to that. That's that's quite possibly true. <laughs> so before we go into it too much, though, I, I have a question that's been kind of gnawing at me all week and I didn't have any time to research it. So I'm just going to ask you. And if you don't have a good answer, that's fine. Do we know the post in-game plans of any movie besides Spider-Man? No, they uh, they are not filming anything right now. Okay, that's what I thought. I thought they were keeping like everything pretty much a secret. Uh, so, I mean, that if they're not filming anything, then that's probably safe to assume that we're not going to get another Marvel movie for at least a year post-Endgame, probably more like a year and a half. I think so, and I think that's their plan too. Um, I think they're taking a lesson from Solo um, and Fatigue, if you will. Yeah, opposed to putting out so quickly, and they're gonna let us marinate on uh, on Spider Man, I guess, and and what happened at Endgame, and just let it uh, let it be. And so, whenever they ramp up Phase Four, um, we'll be refreshed and ready for more. I will say that while I don't envy Captain Marvel being the last movie before um, Endgame, I would rather be the last movie before Endgame than be. Uh, what Spider-Man is going to be, which is the movie after Endgame that then has to hold people over for the next, you know, 18 to 24 months. Well, yeah, and no matter what, it'll be, it's kind of like Ant-Man and the Wasp. While good movie is nothing compared to Infinity War, you know, and then that's, I think, poor Spider-Man's in that slot of, you know, you've raised the, raised the bar in my mind of what Endgame's going to be, and then you throw a Spider-Man in there, and it's like, just not going to live up to it, I don't think. 
Yeah, and judging from the trailer, it feels like they're not really going to even acknowledge a whole lot of maybe what goes down in Endgame. It just kind of really feels like its own standalone thing. So, yeah, I would not be, I would not want to be the next Spider-Man movie. You get all. a little finger snap back to back to reality, and and Peter Parker's back on the bus, back on another field trip. Could be. Know. We'll we'll see. But I, either way, I wouldn't. Or like maybe that. he has the gauntlet the whole time. <laughs> Could have been. <laughs> All right. So now that we, I took us down a, a way down a Marvel path. Let's let's back up and let's let's go into Captain Marvel. So, Not Shazam, by the way. Uh, yeah. Not that Captain Marvel. It's <laughs> it's the Marvels Captain Marvel. Yeah. Exactly. We'll save the DC talk for a different podcast. I like to keep my comic book universes separate. Yes. Even though the name could be confusing to some. Yeah. All right. So, letterbox blurb like we normally do. The story follows Carol Danvers as she becomes one of the universe's most powerful heroes when Earth is caught in the middle of a galactic war between two alien races. Set in the 1990s, Captain Marvel is an all-new adventure from a previously unseen period in the history of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Directed and co-written by Ryan Fleck and Anna Bowden, that's the duo that did uh, the Ryan Gosling movie Half Nelson and the Ryan Reynolds movie Mississippi Grind cast in Captain Marvel has Brie Larson, Samuel L. Jackson, Jude Law, Ben Mendelsohn, Annette Bening, Lashana Lynch, Jaiman Hansu, Clark Gregg, and a few others sprinkled out, you know, throughout the movie, but I think I think that covers pretty much everything. Well, like we normally do on Marvel movies, I usually uh, take a step back and let Captain Comic Book, you, <laughs> take over and lead the show, so you take us where you want to go on the Captain Marvel journey. Well, and as I alluded to just a few seconds ago captain marvel uh originally was shazam's name in dc and the whole captain marvel name has own has its own uh history behind it but we're not going to get into that we'll, we'll save that for the shazam uh podcast when we get there but captain marvel in marvel even has its own longevity and so it it was uh they tried to do a lot of throwbacks to give it not of the different incarnations. There's at least five Captain Marvels in Marvel. And Carol Danvers is the most recent one, but she didn't even get the mantle until 2012. And so she was uh she started as Ms. Marvel and then she changed to binary and then Warbird and then back to Ms. Marvel and then to Captain Marvel. So her history is probably the most complex of any Marvel character that I can even think of. Uh, I was trying to think of, gosh, uh, when you think of an origin story and trying to cram her entire history and her power set all the way back into, into this movie, I had no idea how they were going to do it without, I mean, obviously they're just going to crop most of it out and, uh, and <laughs> do it as simply as possible. And I think that's what they did. Um, but when she started, she didn't have all these these really cool powers. She's gained those over the years, and they just kind of threw it at her. And so that's uh, that was an interesting way that they go. So as far as sticking true to the comics, there's there's no way they could ever come come close to this. And so there's a lot of uh, interpretations that uh, they needed to do, but then there's a bunch they didn't need to do, which we'll get into as, as we go. So I've never read any Captain Marvel. So my question would be, uh, is this Brie Larson, Marvel Cinematic Universe, Captain Marvel, is that an amalgamation of several of the comic book threads? Is it primarily one of those backstories? I mean, what is it that we got here? 
we got Carol Danvers um, as Captain Marvel. So we just forgot all of her, her, her different incarnations as Carol Danvers. So we, we skipped all her names uh, and all her different gaining powers. Uh, we forgot a lot of the Captain Marvels. Actually, the, the second Captain Marvel was uh, the daughter of her best friend. So they threw that in there as a nod. Yeah, yeah. I heard, I read something about that online about how that would potentially be setting something up for the future, uh, especially because it's set in the 90s. So, you know, by now the daughter is, you know, in her late 20s ish, maybe 30s. Yeah. So Mar- Marvel was a guy and he was Captain Marvel first. And they made him uh, Annette Benning in this movie for some reason. And so Marvel was the first Captain Marvel. And then, uh, Monica took over from them and she changed her name from Captain Marvel to Photon and Pulsar. And then now she's uh, Spectrum. So she's had a quite a bit of a history as well, but she's basically can turn herself into just straight energy. So she's a very different type of character, definitely different power set than Captain Marvel. But there's a lot thrown, <laughs> thrown into this movie. So is, is Brie Larson's Carol Danvers, is that is the power that she has on screen at least true to the comics it's true to now okay not not her origin but it's true to where she is since 2012 okay gotcha yeah and so they they really upped her uh power set um and you may remember this so my first introduction to captain marvel was the x-men cartoon back in the 90s where she was ms marvel Mm mm-hmm and there, there is a, a couple episode arc where Rogue steals her powers. Okay. And that's how, that's how Rogue can be strong and fly. Because Rogue in the X-Men movie, you know, she can only take powers and that's all she can do. And that's, that's really what her mutant power is. But she held on to Captain Marvel for a long time and permanently took her power. Gotcha. And, and so there's a lot of things how Captain Marvel mixes with X-Men and then Avengers and Guardians and she's around but never really a focal point until until recently. Makes sense. But I really like the character. I'm I think Brie Larson is a is a great pick for her. I think she she uh encapsulates what what uh Carol Danvers is. And so I think that's that's good. Kind of snarky, kind of sarcastic, you know, playful, that kind of thing. Yeah, well, I I was very interested in hearing your side of this whole podcast because I know uh, some of the movies that we watch, I have vague backgrounds of comic-wise, um, and you usually fill in the gaps. But with Captain Marvel, I, I literally had no uh, background on her whatsoever or the character just in general. So I was very curious to hear your thoughts on how that played out on screen. Yeah, and there's just no way they could do it all. I mean, there's some people like the Punisher. You kill his family, he goes out for revenge. His origin story is pretty simple. Spider-Man, you know, you get bit by a spider, you get spider powers. There's no reason to change those, you know, in the movie, even though Sam Raimi gave him organic spider webs for some reason. There's no reason to change those. Here, it was absolutely necessary to change her origin story to to cram it into a to a two-hour movie. Yeah. And so I, you got to you got to forgive him for for a lot of that. <laughs> well, and the Raimi Spider Mans are terrible. That's why he gave them, uh, you know, natural web shooters instead of built web shooters. Yeah, because that's that's just a terrible choice. A terrible choice for a terrible series. <laughs> okay, so now that we got some of the background out of the way from the comics, um, well, let's go into the movie again. I'll let you lead, but uh, I'm curious to see where this goes. Well, so I know where you're you're going to have your first gripe and I'm just going to lead with that. And that's with the de-aging 
Uh, how did you think Sam Jackson looked? Uh, Sam Jackson looked ridiculously good. Uh, okay, because I agree. But Phil Coulson, I thought, looked terrible. Well, Coulson, uh, I sat there and was like, did they even give old Coulson a CGI de-aging, or did they just cake as much makeup on him as they possibly could? Well, it looked like it, they just changed his hairline and it looked like it was done terribly <laughs> like like that I, I felt like that's all they did and i was like that looks really bad well that's funny because that was my exact comment about uh Django in uh aquaman when we saw that i was like they just slapped a wig on him and <laughs> <laughs> Django yeah um but no so i sam jackson that has to be the gold standard of cgi de-aging now because uh I mean, we saw it with um Tony Stark, and we've seen it with Leia in Rogue One, and those were like, oh, okay, you know, I, I'm I have to suspend a little bit of disbelief, but I can buy into it. Dude, Sam Jackson just looked younger. It was incredible. Well, I, and that's it's almost cheating with Sam Jackson because he has movies that where you can steal from, and he said that they they stole the look and a lot of his expressions from The Negotiator from that movie. Yeah. And so you you can steal from there. Uh, when we saw Ant Man and the Wasp, when they try to to de age Morpheus, and he <laughs> forgot about that he's one. <laughs> a good, he's a good hundred pounds more than he was. So it didn't work as well. You know, you, you can't yeah. take from the Matrix when he's he's a bigger boy now. It's like they had to just take a younger Morpheus and just like stretch it in Photoshop out a little wide, so it's all skewed. It didn't quite fit right. I completely forgot about that one. Yeah. And then they did the Michael Douglas one, which the Michael Douglas one was. I would say it was on par with like the the young Tony Stark one. It was it was good. Morpheus was the first one where I was like, ew. Yeah, I thought Coulson looked bad. Uh, yeah, but, he did. But I thought Sam Sam looked good. The only thing that that got me with Sam Jackson was he still ran like seventy something year old Sam Jackson. Uh, like when they were yeah. trying to <laughs> trying to run away, I was like, yeah, he's he's just an old man now. Has Sam ever been much of a runner though? I mean, is there any footage of him actually being? Yeah, sure. Die Hard. With the vengeance, he ran around. I, f- I still felt like Zeus still ran like an old man in that movie. I said, "Hey, Zeus!" No, uh, <laughs> the, uh, but no. I just when I was watching him run, he 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 looks like he's like his age. While he doesn't look his age, he ran like his age. Yeah, like in real life, he doesn't look as old as he is. You know, yeah. I'm always, you know, taking it back and saying, "Oh gosh, he's in his seventies. He doesn't look that way." But he does, he yeah. runs like he's in his 70s. Yeah, I, I think that definitely helps um, what you just said. Like, really, if you look at Sam Jackson, like the Capital One commercials and stuff, or when he's doing interviews, he he just doesn't look that old. So, that, I mean, that helps too. But he also doesn't hasn't looked like he's really aged in like 30 years. So, eh. I mean, it wouldn't have been suspending too much of, you know, disbelief to just dye his hair. Which I know he doesn't have hair, but you know, give him that hair. I, mean, I feel like you could have almost done young Sam Jackson without hardly doing anything. Right, right. You just give him hair. Yeah, but kudos to the effects. It is really good, and I. So we're 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 in line with that. Uh, Sam Jackson was great. Coulson, um, like I said, I thought they just caked on a bunch of makeup. I was like, I don't even know if they did de aging on him. Yeah, and so I have to to point another before we get like actual movie content but uh stan lee's cameo oh yeah did uh did you catch what he was reading yeah he was reading his mall rat screenplay or script yeah because uh 1995 the the idea was that's where he was going right you know he, he was going to go film that that cameo in mall rats 
And so he, that's what he was yep. saying those lines. So that, that's pretty cool. I thought so too. Um, while we're kind of talking about the movie, but pre-movie, um, your reaction to the Marvel, uh, what do you want to call it? Tribute um, to Stan. Studio intro. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was awesome. I love that. And so, but yeah, now there's a row behind us in the theater that, uh, that clapped for that. Uh, I love that. Um, and then I don't know if they're going to keep that for, for in game. And so if they don't keep it for in game, it, you're almost like, I wish they would have saved it for in game, you know? Yeah. I, and so I, I didn't know how, I don't know how they're going to do it, but I felt like that, that should have been the, the fitting tribute, even though this is the movie directly after, you know, it's just one of those, I'd like to see it there as well or at least first maybe i don't know yeah i think that um i think it's been received extremely extremely well so i think what's likely to happen is that the studio will hear that and if they didn't have plans to me it seemed almost natural to to at least put it in in game because that's kind of the capstone of this whole big marvel run that's been had um I I think I would go with the thing of just like just go ahead and put it in the first uh, in all the movies that you have coming out this year. So let it go ahead and be in front of Spider Man two, not not Spider Man two, but Spider Man also. Even though it is kind of it is Spider Man two, yeah, (laughs) right. Um, At the very least, I agree with you though. You have to put it in front of Endgame, and I think the studio will see how good of a positive reaction that got and do that. I mean, it's just it's such a small thing. Why would the studio not do it? Right, right. Yeah, you don't you don't need to see. Captain America and Iron Man in there, you know, it, we know who we're, we're coming to see. I mean, it is, it is cool to see their kind of the history of them, you know, flash up there where, where they've come over the past, however long, gosh, what are we almost 20 years, 15 years? When did Iron Man come out? Uh, Oh eight. Okay. 11 years. So, but it's cool to see that, but I think it's cooler to see, to see Stan. Yeah, so at the point that you put it in front of Captain Marvel, I think you have to put it in front of Endgame and then just go from there. I agree. I agree. I think that'd be at least Endgame. Agreed. So I want to get kind of more your your perspective as a as a movie opposed to as a comic adaptation. So you just came into it as a Marvel movie. And so what what did you think about it? Highs, lows? Um, so highs and lows, I would say that um the easiest thing to do is probably to compare it to other Marvel movies. So for me at the top of the list, you've got movies like guardians one, uh, winter soldier. Those are, I think the the top movies. Uh, I mean, infinity war is probably up there. Uh, it is up there, I should say, but origin stories are very, very weird in the Marvel universe. Meaning most origin stories are not that good. Iron man was really good, but the first Avenger is just okay. Uh, Ant Man's just okay. The first Thor is just okay. Doctor Strange is just okay. You know, Hulk is what it is. Um, so as far as origin stories go, and first looks at a new superhero, I would say that it it's on par with those. It, probably a little bit better than than most of those. Um, maybe just a cut above like the first Thor and Doctor Strange. Um, so. Uh, you know, without going too much into the highs and lows, I would say just as a broad stroke, that's kind of what I, how I felt leaving the movie was that um, it's a little bit of a cut above a typical Marvel origin story. Now, where I will say is though, I don't really count Black Panther as a, a true Marvel origin story because he got introduced in Civil War and that's kind of the same with Spider-Man. So you get a little bit of these 
context in there before you meet the character, but this is just a cold, uh, kind of like a cold open uh, solo story, origin story. You mean the beeper didn't count? <laughs> no, okay. that's not enough to give you any kind of context <laughs> other than, hey, this is coming. So you, you mentioned Guardians. Did you feel like they tried to be too much like Guardians with the, the way that they worked the soundtrack in? And just, just kind of, the, I felt in the, the space stuff felt very, not a nod to Guardians, but trying to copy Guardians. Well, so here's what I think. Um, my wife and I talked about this afterwards. And um, I don't think tonally they were going for Guardians. I don't think they were going for that lighthearted, uh, you know, feel that Guardians has. However, I think there are some things like thematically that it's definitely trying to do a guardian style. So one, the space stuff, if you notice right away, like the fonts that they used and the the way they showed the planets and their locations, that was very much guardians. Uh, and I think they did that on purpose. And like they refer to earth uh, humans as Terrans, right? That's straight from guardians. You have Ronin who's straight from guardians and the Kree who are from guardians. So I do think it was, at least from the MCU standpoint, trying to be an offshoot of some of that Guardians feel from a visual perspective. Um, to your point about the music, do I think that they were trying to be like Guardians in that sense? Yeah, I think they were. And I think the big problem for them was that they didn't find a lot of opportunities to mesh the music in with like the fabric of the story. So with Guardians, of course, 70s music doesn't fit, you know, 2015 intergalactic space travel but it fits the fabric of the story because it's the cassette tape that peter was given from his mom and so it has meaning to him they tie all this emotion to it so then you can buy into the fact that even though we're floating through space we're hearing 70s american rock and it's it's all cool with this and captain marvel with the 90s music they didn't weave it into the story it was just like hey here's another reminder that we are set in the 90s right it's first there's blockbuster then there's radio shack then there's a a whole song, which I think that's actually in the credits, but yeah, um, you know, Salt and Peppers. I, I felt it's like just... they were they were trying to interject those songs, but like you said, they didn't have a, a good way of doing it. Then all of a sudden, while she's talking to the supreme intelligence, there's a record player there playing '90s music. Well, yeah, and that was playing "Come as You Are" by Nirvana. It's like I that one in particular, I was like, "What? Oh, okay." It just didn't it didn't fit because they tried to have it as the actors can hear it, you know, like they do in Guardians. Yeah. When it could have just been playing, I feel like it's very different when you have them, you know, like that's the soundtrack versus she's listening to all these songs throughout. And I felt like they didn't do a good job of, like, wait, so she's she's hearing all these nineties, nineties <laughs> songs while she's fighting, like no doubts playing, and she can hear it, or is no doubt just playing? Well, okay, so I think they do a couple, and I think that's part of their problem too. Is like, I guess what you want to call. I don't know what the word is for if there's a term. I guess I would call it like fourth wall music. Right. So there's music that breaks the fourth wall and then music that doesn't. Um, and I think this movie does both. So it's a little bit disorienting as to what's being heard by the characters and what's just playing as part of the soundtrack. And that that gets confusing. Like, I think there's a scene, and I could be wrong because I've only seen it once, but I feel like in the final fight on the ship when they play the No Doubt song, you know, I'm Just a Girl. That is just supposed to be a soundtrack song. But what I think I remember is there's a whole bunch of, like, uh, there's a pinball machine and a whole bunch of other memorabilia on that ship. Right. I think there's even a, ju there's a jukebox, I think. Yes. 
And I didn't understand why they wouldn't just have the music play like if somebody crashed into the jukebox. Right, right. You know, we weave it more into the story. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that was the problem. I think, and when it when it's not woven into the story, it beats you. It gets a sense like, you know, you're getting beaten over the head with it's '90s, right? '90s, '90s, '90s. Like, yeah, yeah, I get it. But when you do it in a more subtle way and weave it into the story, I think it would have been more impactful. So I, I do think. So bringing this back full circle to your question, I do think there was several attempts to be similar to guardians and some of them i think worked with the um you know the the story of the the kree and and ronin and the way the um title cards and stuff were working in space i think that's all fine i i think they weren't really trying to be guardians in terms of the the comedy and lightheartedness the music yes i think they were and they slipped and failed so i would say that some success some failures in the be like guardians area yeah, it's like each song, like I liked the songs and I liked, you know, the nostalgia of it, but it just, they felt all out of place and it felt like, you know, it, it wasn't even a nod to Guardian. It felt like just straight copying, you know, and so it just took me like, eh, that's, that's forced. That's really forced right now. Well, what do you think about this thought? Because I know you just rewatched this, but it felt more like Guardians 2 to me than Guardians 1. Oh, agreed. Okay. Because it wasn't as good. Well, not just not as good, but I think I you and I, you and I both left Guardians Two thinking like it it was trying to recapture the magic of one, but just didn't quite get there. And some of that even had to do with the music just not quite feeling as part of the DNA as it was in the first one. I think that's what this feels like in Captain Marvel. Right. No, I agree. So going into this, uh, Ben Mendelsohn, this he was cast as the leader of the Scrolls and in theory the ultimate bad guy. You know, and you hate Ben Mendelsohn. You hate him. I hate him as the ultimate bad guy because he <laughs> because he is not a menacing character. Uh, I I don't I don't like it. I don't think he's intimidating. I don't think he does bad guy well. Um, how they well, used him. My 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 thing with that though has always been I don't think he's ever been the ultimate bad guy as you like to see bad guys i think he's always the he might be the main bad guy but i think he's always supposed to be like the sniveling conniving like slimy bad guy and i don't like that bad guy because okay (laughs) just clarify because always i mean the bad guy makes the movie the villain makes the movie i don't care who your hero is the villain always makes the movie and so when you look at uh, ben Mendelsohn as the main big baddie and he's going to be the scroll and like dang it so i already was adjusting myself for not liking that and then they did a you know a turn on its head scrolls weren't the bad guys which uh which i'm going to give this this movie kudos for that which i think might piss a lot of people off um because scrolls are bad guys and they didn't go down that route but i liked how they did a little head fake there and so and it gave him a a believable and likable role. And so I thought he did great at what they gave him. Yeah, I actually think that um I think he kind of stole the show. He's in a you know, a boatload of practical effects makeup for most of the movie, but he's still able to deliver some really good even comedic lines at times with just like the look in his eyes almost. So I was really impressed with Ben Mendelsohn in this. I I'm not sure if I liked him the best in the movie, but I think if pushed to answer that right now, I'd say I think he kind of did the best in this movie. 
No, because I, I, I was scared about him. I was scared about him because, again, he wasn't the. Uh, I didn't want him to be the big bad, but I really liked the way the way they did that. So he gets a he gets a tip of the hat and he gets another shot at whatever next movie he's in. Wow, this is all sorts of crazy. I, uh, so I will tell you that going into recording this episode, I felt a little bit like how uh, you described yourself with Solo. Like I felt coming into this podcast that I was going to have to be like, oh man, I'm going to have to find all the things I like about this movie because Carson is going to come in and tear this thing down. And (laughs) while I wasn't like, well, I'm not overly in love with it or anything, I just felt like, yeah, I'm going to have to dig in on this one and and go in for a fight. But uh, you're throwing me for a a swerve here. No, I'm not done yet. But (laughs) but, but Ben, he got, he's okay. So he's off the, he's off the radar for, for attacks here. Well, and I will say that part of why I thought you were going to have problems with this movie, and, and I didn't know the comic background, but some of the things that I knew of comic background, I was like, well, I, I don't think Carson's going to gonna like where they went with this. Um, and I, after reading a little bit, yeah, this whole pre-scroll thing seems to be kind of like a lightning rod in the post-Captain Marvel world, because from what I understand, everybody thought the scrolls were going to be like phase four invasion that might be the next big baddies for all the new avengers to go fight so now everybody's sort of like well you just turned them into sort of quasi good guys so what what's really happening here and then you know you can speak more to this but my understanding is that the scrolls are always bad guys in the comics and now you've turned them and made them good so people are like wait what what's happening yeah now they they turned them sympathetic you know and so you can't have the secret invasion where they slowly infiltrate you know every branch of the government and every organization and shield and whatnot because they're not they're not the baddies anymore they're uh, they're just they're just a bunch of people trying to find their own home but i will say um that this is just a a, a faction of them right like this doesn't mean that there aren't all others. scrolls are good it just means yeah, there's just refugees. It's it's kind of reminds me of some old Star Trek stuff where like randomly you'd have this pocket of Klingons that are good. It doesn't mean all Klingons are good. It just meant that like that pocket was. Yeah. Um, but I do get the idea though that your first introduction into the scrolls making them sympathetic might be a hard pill for audiences to swallow if you then turn around and try and make scrolls the ultimate bad guys of like phase four so i can kind of get the disconnect i have no ties to it but i kind of see both sides yeah and in in the comics they did have a few storylines that you come upon a town and the town is all scrolls and they they were basically you know defecting from the conquering type and they just wanted to live here on earth in their own little town you know pretending to be human and that's all they were trying to do and so there are a couple pocket little storylines like that to where okay these guys aren't big bad scrolls but the majority of them are like you said uh but here it made it sound like they were almost all but wiped out except for this little pocket of scrolls but yeah no i I think i think you're absolutely right trying to turn them into a uh, big evil organization you know a big evil empire coming to destroy them destroy earth later is a is a hard hard turn Agreed. So one thing that that I'm curious to hear your thoughts on, because uh, they they did take the origin story and try to put a kind of a different spin on it by the whole amnesia angle and her not really knowing her origin. So you're kind of discovering her origins at the same time that she is in a way. What did you think about that angle? How did it play out for you? Did you think they did it well? <laughs> so. And this is where I tried to avoid going all comic book geek on you on, on our intro here. Um, 
but so when she first, when Ms. Marvel first came about, she was kind of picture her as the incredible Hulk. Okay. Okay. So she was Carol Danvers by day and then she would pass out like she would faint. And then Ms. Marvel would come Mm -hmm. up with a different brain. She wouldn't remember she's Carol Danvers and Ms. Marvel. And so she would go be, she would go be superhero and then all of a sudden turn back into to Carol Danvers and not know what she did. And so she didn't even know she was the superhero. She actually worked uh, at the Daily Bugle with Spider-Man uh, when she, when she oh, came okay. about. But it was, and she was a real big women's activist at that time. J. Jonah Jameson was really hard on her and tried to put her, you know, writing articles on, you know, dresses. And she's like, no, I'm, I can do more than this type of thing so she was more they were really and this is 68 so that it was really pushing that uh that that women you know empowerment back then and so that's why a lot of a lot of people tip the hat at stan and his writing for for that of she was one of the pioneers of that that's why they wanted to keep carol danvers as that character but her amnesia side that's a side side story there but her amnesia side comes from that i think and so it's kind of like that, but it was a it was a way that they could do that, but also um, tie the rest of this mess together. Yeah, I I don't know the the amnesia angle itself is fine. I guess I just kind of amnesia angles bother me when you, the audience kind of already knows where things are going, even though the character doesn't. Um, I mean, nobody had any doubts from any of the marketing or anything else that Captain Marvel was a human. I don't know if I said that right. We we knew going into it she was a human in some way, shape, or form. Um, so to like kind of have her not realize that she was human, I mean, I get it, but it just kind of makes the amnesia angle a little bit. What what's the word I'm looking for? Like uh. I don't know, like not as exciting or not as we're not uncovering a mystery. We're just waiting for her to uncover the mystery. Well, and so when you have things like well, the only thing, it, the only thing it really did was switch the scrolls versus the Cree. You know, all of a sudden Ju- she remembered it being scrolls, and then it was you know Jude Law. Yeah, from that true, but but she also in the movie doesn't remember that she was ever a human. Right. Yeah. We we all knew that she was going to get there. <laughs> You know, at some point, she well, right, going to get there. Th- it didn't add anything. I get, I, get, <laughs> yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah, so that that's my only problem with it is that we're not in the journey with her. We're just kind of waiting. And then, like when they would sprinkle in, like, oh, there was a crash of the space flight test for the light speed thing. We're like, you know, she doesn't know she was the one in the crash, but we know she was the one in the crash. So it's like, come on, you know. I, I'm not saying I'm impatient, but it's just it took it takes the mystery and the fun out of the journey when you're like come on captain marvel or come on carol let let you know it's right here we know where it's going so that was my main problem with the flashbacks um and the other thing that i didn't like about the flashbacks is that they didn't really set up a lot of um emotional weight to them i would have liked to have seen more flashbacks of her and her friend um i can't remember her first name but i can remember her last name is rambo because of course i can um, <laughs> maria yeah so there wasn't enough of the flashbacks with her and um so when when they when it comes time to realize captain marvel's powers and they play the montage of all the times that she fell growing up whether it was in the air force academy or driving a go-kart and all stuff 
that was a hugely powerful moment, but I felt like it could have been 10 times more powerful if during the flashbacks we had seen more of, uh, you know, her with Maria or her as a kid or her with her dad, like just some other kind of, I don't know, weight or beefiness to the, to the flashbacks. I felt like there just wasn't enough there to get that emotional core where it needed to get to. No, I, I absolutely agree. I think that they did not put any emphasis on her growing up when they could have done that to show who she is um, and told those partial stories early on of kind of motivation, but then also shows what she does with that is she, she gets up, you know, and right. And they, if you take out the amnesia, they could have, they could have done that very easily, you know, and just start her from, from a kid, you know, or start her from the air force Academy, you know, and, it, yeah. it just wasn't it what you're right it absolutely was not told well um which comes down to a few of my other gripes here once once we get there but um no i, I 100% on board with what you're saying there you know what it reminded me of no it it reminded me of man of steel really well if you think about it like you've got these alien figures that are really powerful right they spent a lot of time on his childhood on Man of Steel. Well, yes, but they were predominantly done in flashbacks. Right. Right, but that was... So, what I'm saying... But the small part was him as an adult. You know, the majority of it was flashbacks. Right, but what I'm saying is that it reminds me of... So, you have this super powerful alien person that's got human ties, and a lot of the theme of the story for both of them is how does this really powerful alien being um come to terms with their human side and in both cases uh you know Clark is learning about what it means to be human and and uh how to protect humanity and all this stuff and that that makes him a more rounded godlike figure and then in Captain Marvel you've got these flashbacks and it's showing you her ability to fail and constantly get up and it it's like the struggle between the alien godlike side and the human uh, side that you the hero has to learn to embrace to fully realize their kind of full potential kind of thing and so it reminded me of that but i will say i think Zack snyder did it better in man of steel because the stories that he weaves in those flashbacks are way more poignant and memorable like you you remember you know clark um lifting the bus out of the water you remember you know, the Jonathan Kent angle with Captain Marvel. It's like, what, what really were her flashbacks again? I don't really remember. Now I do think you remember the montage right before she becomes, you know, ultimate Captain Marvel, but you don't, what, what's, what is it that you see in anything else? Like a couple of scenes on a, 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 a tarmac out on the jetway, you know, it's just, is they didn't give it enough. And uh, I, I felt like thematically man of steel and, and Captain Marvel at a high level had some similarities, but man of steel just does it better. Agreed. I, I couldn't, couldn't have said it better. I could have said it better, but I'll let you just say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I, I'm 100% on board. 100% on board with that, which, yeah. which I'm going to really just dive into my main criticism. I think it absolutely comes from the director. Uh, I think these two directors were in over their heads. I think all of the uh, comedic lines were edited so bad that they weren't, they weren't as funny as they could have been just by their, the looks and the editing, not necessarily the script, but how their relationship was. I think it was just shot poorly. And then you get with the, like 
just all the scenes that they could have done differently. I think it all comes with the the editing and the directing of them. Of it was all there for for somebody. Like I don't mind the story at all that they were trying to tell. That even the changes that most of the changes that they made, I don't mind any of that. But I felt like you could tell these were two novice directors. And I'm very anxious to see her in the hands of the Russos because I think you're going to see a very different Captain Marvel of what Brie Larson can actually do. Yeah, so I I won't disagree with you there. I I don't think these directors had too much of a pedigree. Now, I have not seen Mississippi Grind. Um, I have seen Half Nelson, but there's not a lot of Half Nelson that would lead me to believe that you're ready for a Marvel movie. Um, But having said that, Half Nelson, from what I remember, is very much a character movie. And I think they tried to make this one a character movie, but it's just like they couldn't reconcile the their desire to do a character movie with kind of the marvel standard or the marvel template and everything that all that baggage that comes along with that it's it's very hard to do a character study in a marvel movie because you have to fit in all this other world building and tie in all these other things together because no marvel movie really stands alone on its own it has to kind of acknowledge everything else that's in existence so in over their heads is probably a good phrase to say um, and that I think they maybe wanted to do their character study, but didn't realize how hard that's going to be to do when you've got so much other stuff. Now, I will say, not only will I think the Russos will they do better, but whoever gets a crack at the second go around of Captain Marvel, whether that's in uh, Endgame, which we know it will be, or the, the sequel, um, that's always easier, right? I mean, there's a reason why Winter Soldier is better than the first Avenger. There's a, you know, once you get all that kind of standard template origin story stuff out of the way, then you can take the character to a new place. So I, I do think the next incarnations of Brie Larson's Captain Marvel will be better than this one. Well, kind of by default. And I don't know who, who did the first Captain America, but, or even uh, Joss Whedon, his interpretation of Captain America, but there's a stark difference in who Cap is now because of the Russos. They made him a badass, you know, like he was just a guy in in really kind of funny looking tights, and I know he was supposed to in the first one, but in Avengers, Joss Whedon kept him in that in those weird looking tights that didn't make Captain a badass, and he didn't do anything cool, you know. But then you get Winter Soldier in that first opening scene of Cap on that freighter, and you're like, okay, this is the Cap that we should have gotten, and I really think that that's you can change a character that way. But I'm not even talking about the power set or making them look cool. I'm talking from a a personality standpoint. I feel like we got nothing out of the relationships of from Brie Larson and Sam Jackson. And I feel like there is natural chemistry there. And I've seen like all their interviews on the press tour and whatnot that they've done together. And I think they work great together, you know, but not but on screen, it I felt like there is gaps in what there should have been and and I, I really have to point that at the director side of it of it was all there like all the pieces were there and they just they just dropped the ball i just think it, it was just a it was like if i tried to go do that for the first time you know well i think i think that the brie larson sam jackson stuff came across great on screen i thought it felt like very buddy copish and i thought that that was the best relationship or interaction of the movie um oh agreed by far but i think brie larson is her um 
was it quirkiness maybe or even the the way she jokes around i think it could all be done a whole lot better because i think the way that they shot the cameras and the quick they almost like quick cut to where the jokes weren't falling like they could they just weren't timed very well but they were i felt like they were good jokes if that makes any sense um that i feel like the russos have clearly mastered timing and and joking around because we've seen it in so many movies so far that i'm excited for her interactions with the rest of these guys yeah the editing was a little bad and it was especially bad in some of the action scenes um it wasn't quite shaky cam bad but there's just a lot of cutting in in the action scenes i i didn't notice it as much in some of the comedy and stuff but i definitely i get what you're saying and i I will agree with you on the surface that that the directors didn't do themselves any favors um and, and that even goes all the way to the script i felt like so my take on brie larson was that um i think she's a great actress and i think she did really well in this movie but i don't think the writing or the directing helped her out in any way shape or form and especially when you're doing a movie where you are an alien but you're not an alien and you're trying to figure out who you are and you have amnesia i think that just boxes you into a corner because i mean what kind of personality are you supposed to have if given that kind of context, right? I mean, you can't remember you're, you're kind of you like, are, yeah. yeah, I mean, aren't, aren't you saying like, as I'm saying that in my head, I'm thinking like, okay, so you're wanting me to act confused for an entire movie. Cause that's what I, that's what that sounds like to me. And I think that's how she kind of came across was just kind of, um, not overly dynamic, but I don't put that on her in any way. I think the movie called for her to walk around trying to figure out who she was the whole movie. And I think she nailed it. So I'm, I, I'm hoping that, what we get in Endgame is a Brie Larson and a Captain Captain Marvel who knows exactly who she is, and now we get to see her more of that stuff that came out with her and Sam Jackson. That's more of her norm. Agreed, agreed. And I think uh, you mentioned that the action scenes and they were so, uh, like you mentioned, edited poorly that you couldn't really tell what was going on. And for to have them all, to have Captain Marvel fight in a what a ten by ten room. Um, mm-hmm. that that doesn't show her power set, you know. You you need her fighting on you know at Wakanda in the open field to show what she can really do to to really appreciate her her power. And I think we'll get that you know in uh, an end game. But you just they they kind of did that at the end where they show her flying around and destroying spaceships. But you need to give her some room to work. You know, she's not the the power set that you can just keep in a room like that. Right. Yeah. She, uh, I think they finally showed it when she basically, you know, rammed herself through the Kree ship and destroyed it. But I was, I was definitely playing that game in my head where I'm like, okay, she's supposed to be the savior of Endgame. You know, that's the rumor going around. And so I need her to be powerful. And when she finally finds herself and becomes super powerful and then she's fighting in that room, I'm like, okay, this is not giving me the vibe that she's even on a Thor level, let alone surpassing Thor. Right. And then even once they, even once she took down the Kree fleet or whatever, like I kind of just sat there in my head. I'm like, well, okay, I guess based on that, I'd put her at the same level as infinity war Thor. But I, I, I'm not sitting here thinking like, she's now the answer. Cause I mean, Thor came down, he, you know, he can explode into lightning. She can explode into whatever that power is she, that she has. Right. Like she seems on the same level, but I, I felt like I was supposed to maybe leave the movie thinking like she's the most powerful being that we know. And I, I didn't really walk away thinking that. Right. And I think a lot of that has to do with uh, her fighting in a box, her fighting in a room. And on the, on the action stuff, you know, it, there's not a lot of action scenes I even remember. Like 
I remember the train scene, and then I remember if we count the fighting in a box plus the the fighting in space uh, ending thing. So like, there's really only two kind of sequences where I think back, like, okay, that's what I remember as the action in this movie. Everything else was just sort of forgettable. No, I agree. Yeah, there wasn't anything cool other than her, you know, flying through a through a ship, which is in the trailer. I like the uh, the dojo fight scene uh, with her and Jude Law at the beginning. That was good. Uh, I thought that was really good, and I thought we'd see fighting like that later of her fighting you know these henchmen you know like that but we never really got a scene choreographed like that again which is disappointing yep i agree, I agree with you um a couple other things i wanted to ask you about so we, we talked about brie larson we talked about sam jackson and ben mendelson uh so the other two kind of acting things i wanted to see what you thought about was jude law and annette benning i like jude law uh i don't typically like jude law but I liked him in this. I thought he did did well. What do you think of Jude? Yeah, take it or leave it. He could have been anybody. Um, I, I typically like Jude Law. Uh, not like a favorite of mine, but, um, you know, I, I think he's a good pick for somebody who's going to flip sides. Yeah, he. I mean, he has that, I have that menacing side to me if I need it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Annette Benning. Terrible. Terrible choice. Okay. Okay. Not only. So I felt like they tried to find. I felt like the director just wanted to put a net bending in this movie, and so they <laughs> they and so they changed Marvel to a woman, and maybe that's the theme of the movie. Okay, whatever. And you choose her, and then you make her the supreme intelligence, also, which he's supposed to be a big head, big green head in a jar type of thing, and I think that they were just trying to give a net bending more screen time. Uh, but she is not menacing at all. She's not even, she, I, I greatly disliked her entire performance in this movie. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and she was acting like Annette Benning. So I, again, I'm not really putting this on Annette Benning. I just don't think that that was a good casting decision at all. It, no. And the, the, and the changes they made for her made no sense. And I just didn't. So everything around her character are the changes that I did not like. So her as Mar, yeah. her as Marvel, unnecessary. Her as the Supreme Intelligence, unnecessary. And then they changed the name of the cat. Why would you change the name of the cat? <laughs> so, so it, I didn't have I didn't have a problem with that because it, this was clearly nodding all over the place to Top Gun. So I I, I kind of like that. But do you know the original name of the cat? Yeah, I saw. I read it afterwards. It was Chewy. It's Chewy, who's a co-pilot, by the way, if you did not know. But Carol Danvers is famously a Star Wars fan, and so constantly quotes and and does things like that. And so for it for her cat to be named Chewy, you know, it, it made sense. Sure. Um, but they changed the cat's ownership to Annette Benning, who names it Goose, which, you know, and like, why why do you gotta make those those changes? You know, Chewie still works in 1995, you know? Right. Okay, I got a couple other things I want to get uh, your breakdown on before we run out of things to say. Okay. Uh, the effects of Captain Marvel in space. Uh, well, we saw this in the trailer, and so we knew they were, they were a little suspect. They tried to, um, you know, they covered her face with the shield, I guess, mask, whatever. And so... I guess that's what somebody would look like with that glowing thing over her face, but they were they were subpar. I mean, they're they're not Black Panther bad, but they weren't great. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, same page. I don't need to really dive into yeah. that one anymore. 
uh, we don't have to go too deep into this, but I mean, we're both aware of the the bashing that that came along with this movie before it came out. I know I made a comment on Twitter after the movie that the people that were already pissed off about what Brie Larson was saying before this movie, I think they had to walk out of this movie super pissed off because I think this movie had themes and agendas it was pushing. Sometimes it was in the subtext. Sometimes it was right in front of your face. And I, I think those people got trolled a little bit in this movie. Did you catch? What are your thoughts on that? I mean, yeah, I mean, I knew they were there, but I did. That it didn't bother me any. The only thing that that bothered me was was Annette Benning, <laughs> and, and and then the fact that it, for some it had to be changed to a woman. It didn't it didn't need to be changed to a woman. But I know that that was what they were going for. As her mentor, who she admired most, couldn't be a guy. You know, it couldn't be Marvell on on Earth. It had to be Annette Benning for some reason. <laughs> right, but uh, she she she. But none of the other. You know, you know all the themes of all of the was it all the. Uh, uh, other pilots making fun of her were all guys. Um, I didn't notice that they were all guys when she fell, you know, pointing and laughing. Uh, but somebody pointed at yeah. that online that they were all guys. I'm like, okay, so they're all, you know, the men are saying she can't do it and she can. Yeah. I, I like the themes in the movie and I'm even fine with, I, cause I have no ties to it, but Marvel being a woman, I just think Annette Benning was a bad casting choice, but, I like the female empowerment angle. Um, you know, they mentioned the pilots not being allowed in combat, so they're out here trying to test pilot this other stuff. Right. Um, I definitely, I definitely liked that she didn't have a male love interest because that's normally something you almost always, even in Wonder Woman, you had her and Chris Pine, right. you know, falling in love. So to have a female superhero that you know wasn't beholden to some guy that she loves, I thought was pretty cool. And on top of that, um, <laughs> I, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but. I felt like maybe there was a little bit more between Carol and Maria than what was being led on, but uh, <laughs> that could be just me reading into it. See, now you're going the other direction, and now you're being uh, a chauvinist or something. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, the, the, the scroll refugees, I mean, there was clearly uh, some of the kind of refugee border crisis stuff, I think, laid on there. Um, and I, th- I thought that one was pretty overt, actually. Oh. Um, the. The motorcycle guy uh, asking her why she doesn't smile, that was pretty on the nose, I thought. Um, and then the uh, the big moment at the end when she's fighting Jude Law and she yells, I don't have to prove anything to you. Um, you know, that was right. on. But again, I, I actually liked all of it, and I was surprised how um, upfront some of this was for a Disney or Marvel movie. Well, I was fine with all those things. Um the the one thing I will say is I enjoy not having the love interest piece of of action movies. Totally, uh, agree. I feel like that's all, that is always the Debbie Downer of getting in the way. You know, it's 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 an easy way. Oh, you found this girl, and you have to protect this girl. You know, whether it's a girl or a guy, I hate I hate that that angle of it. Why can't you just be trying to save people? You know, why do you have to have a romantic interest in in this as well? Um, and it's usually that person who gets kidnapped and you have to save them and it's, it's annoying. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I, I love that that wasn't there, especially coming from the female angle where I, I think a lot of times they feel like that has to be there. There always has to be a guy there. And so to really not get that at all in this movie was a nice change of pace. I, and see, I didn't even notice that there was or wasn't until I started reading stuff online afterwards. 
you know, it, that, like that never popped into my head. Oh, really? See, I kind of I noticed it from the get go because I felt like they were really um, when they were flashing back to her stuff. You know, it was always her and her friend. It was never, you know, her and a long lost love. And then there was never, you know, her and Jude Law weren't romantically linked in this movie. And clearly her and Nick Fury weren't either. It's just so when you've seen enough of the movies like we have, you kind of get used to the beats of the movies. And so I, I kind of noticed the missing of a beat here. I was like, oh, that's that's refreshing. OK, well, I was occupied other way. <laughs> All right. So the last thing I have to get to you and then I will be out of things to say. I need your take on two things that are kind of related. One is uh, the cat goose um, <laughs> becoming a tentacle monster. And then flirkin. two is yeah, a flurkin, a, a mother flurkin. And then uh, I need your take on how Nick Fury lost his eye. <laughs> uh, okay. So starting with the flurkin, um, that's, that's in the comics. She has a cat. That's a flurkin. Um, it does that. So, I knew that was coming at some point. The the tentacles again look stupid and, and crappy as they always do in every movie. So I knew that was coming. I liked the first time they used it. The second time they used it down the hall um looked bad. Um and then I was fine with it eating the the tesseract. So I, I because I was expecting it, I was okay with it. Um only because it's okay. the same. Now Nick Fury's eye. You, you've almost, by the way, by the way, you've almost conditioned me now to the point you where identical monsters I almost have too? the opposite. <laughs> no, 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 no. I almost have the opposite effect. It's more like giddiness at hearing how angry you're going to be at seeing the tentacle monster. I'm not upset by it, but I'm like, oh God, Carson's going to hate this. This is going to be so good. <laughs> yeah, I, I, so they did it, and the the first one, I forgot what they did. They killed two. They killed two guys the first time uh-huh. and then i was like okay that wasn't so bad and then he made him do it again and it did it down the hall and it looked really stupid and i was like okay i was like i'm gonna hear i'm gonna hear about that <laughs> <laughs> but but i was expecting it because it does that so yeah i, I was right. more upset they changed his name to to goose but oh okay um and then his eye okay the, I, I meant to bring this up earlier they dropped the ball so bad on this so they've when he gets in the car wreck and he busts his eye in the car and he fakes like mm-hmm. oh what's wrong with your eyes like oh no it's a, it's a scratch it's okay you know and then i wanted them to keep faking his eye loss throughout the entire rest of the movie right and never get there like, like everything that they did was that's not how he like you're thinking oh that's how he loses his eye but that's not how he does it and i wanted them to keep teasing the audience with that throughout the entire movie but they, they did it once and then they gave us a a, a claw across his face and that's, that's such mm-hmm. a letdown i figured you would be let down so one because uh i know you've always liked how he got it in the comic books right which is wolverine took it right yeah he was wolverine because of wolverine yeah right so i figured that you would be annoyed because now that Marvel is finally getting the X-Men later this year uh, that you're, you're almost like so close to being able to somehow work Wolverine into actually having been the one that took Fury's eye. And there's the line in winter soldier or civil war, one of the two where Fury's like, last time I trusted somebody, I lost my eye basically. Um, So I feel like you're so close to actually being able to get that Wolverine Fury moment. And then they gave it to a flurkin. And they gave it to a flurkin. 
And I think I was I was more upset that they didn't have the running joke throughout. <laughs> That's surprising because they they set it up and they they it was like every like they could, they could have so many scenes where like even when he was fighting you know Mendelssohn or you know they could have had all these little drop ins to where people are checking on his eye. Oh no no it's okay you know or you know they kind of like how he did the first time and you have him there holding his mm-hmm. eye and then he looks up and oh no his eye is fine and you, you could just keep doing that and i think that would be a funny little you know kind of middle finger to everybody you know watching of everybody's you know waiting to see how fury loses his eye throughout and he never does and then you you, you know you find out another time you know but not in this movie but right that's, that's what i hoped it, that they were doing and then i was like they got this far and once he started coddling the cat I knew that that was what was going to happen, but I was hoping that they were going to fake me out with it again. So it's, I, it's I didn't like, even think of that. I honestly thought you were going to be pissed that they're so close to Wolverine doing it and they didn't do it and they gave it to a cat. But I, I see where you're coming from. That would have been a pretty good running gag the whole movie. Yeah. And, so, and again, it comes down to the, the director's like, it's all here and you started with it. Like I, I never would have thought that that would have been a funny thing to do throughout if they didn't tease it once. You know, yeah. And so I was like, okay. I was like, I'm, I'm hoping they do this more, and it, it never came. So, <laughs> yep. And the, the last, uh, last thing I had to, to, to drop on you is Ronan. Uh, one, why didn't they make him look the same? I think it only confused the audiences that he didn't have the same makeup on. Yeah, because uh, he, he has like battle paint or something, yeah. like war paint or yeah. whatever, and in, in Guardians, and 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 my wife actually was like, "Why did they recast Ronan?" I was like. <laughs> They didn't. She's like, oh, I he I didn't get that. He looks different because he doesn't look the same for some reason. I think it was a case of taking the um the the timeline almost a little too far. Like, yeah, we might need to see Colson younger, we might need to see, see Sam Jackson younger. I don't think we need to see Ronan younger. I think everybody can just assume that he's a Cree and always looks the same and whatever. So I, I think it was just a case of going too far with that concept. Yeah, and I was really hoping to see him do something cool because he really didn't get to do anything cool. You know, he's no, a, and I'm not, and I'm not sure what this really sets up either, right? Because he's like, we're going to come back to get the weapon and her, but like he dies in Guardians, so whatever timeline Ronan exists in has to be between this and Guardians. So uh, unless the Captain Marvel sequel will actually be you know Kree. still her yeah. helping the crees like it'll live in that time period and so ronan becomes her bad guy I, I think that's what they're leaving it open to is her in space maybe finding ronan you know keeping them away from the scrolls or finding something else and ronan's there but it there'd be what 20 years gap in there that she could be fighting around in uh well that was in 95 uh, ish i think was this movie and if you take uh you know, she doesn't return until Endgame, which if you consider that real time, I don't know the specifics of the Marvel timeline. So you're talking, yeah, 24, 25 years. So they could they could drop Captain Marvel 2 in there if they wanted to, a la Wonder Woman 2. Sure. You know, might as well yep. keep following those beats. <laughs> exactly. They're working. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. We'll see what Wonder Woman 85 comes out with. It, it, it's 84. Whatever. Boo. Not impressed. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm running out of things to say. How about you? I agree. All right. Let's get into it then. I am Thor, son of Odin. As long as there is life in my breast, I am running out of things to say. Are you ready? 
What did you rate it and why? I ended up giving it a three and a half. I thought this was on the bottom fourth of Marvel movies, um, which isn't saying it's bad so much because most of the Marvel movies are really, really good in my opinion, but it's definitely on the bottom echelon of movies. Partially, like you mentioned earlier, it's the origin tale. Um, but I think it really falls on the uh, the directors that did not do a very good job. But I still gave it a three and a half, above average, good movie, just not a not a Marvel movie standard, in my opinion. Hmm. Okay, so I gave it a three and a half as well. Um, I think we we've, we've kind of documented. <laughs> uh, no. Um. I I guess. Well, this is the difference between you and I uh, when it comes to Marvel movies. You, know, you gave it a three and a half and said it's in the bottom fourth of your rankings. Um, a three and a half would not put it in the bottom fourth of my rankings. Um, it probably not even really close to that. I I have it somewhere above Thor and Thor two, right around the Captain America First Avenger. Um, the the ones I would really have to think about it is my order around Ant Man, Ant Man Two, and Captain America: First Avenger. The right around in there is where I have it. Um, I'm just not quite sure. So for me, that's still probably an upper half of the movie. So I, I liked it better than Guardians Two, which I probably need to rewatch. Liked it better than both Thors. Liked it better than Age of Ultron. Better than Doctor Strange. So that's kind of where I mm. am. Yeah, most of those you named are not as good as this. Nope, I said that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was like, wait. Most of those you named are better than this. Like Doctor Strange, uh, Avengers 2, and I just rewatched Guardians 2, and if you can close your eyes at like three parts, then um, it's actually not as terrible as it once was. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, some of these I need to revisit, but but that's where I'm at. I, three and a half for all for all the reasons that we we mentioned above um so favorite moment for you favorite moment for me was uh uh captain unleashed so when she finally realizes her power now i didn't like the part where she's with the supreme intelligence but i liked her in real life i guess if you want to call it that not in the mindscape but when she realizes her true potential i like that part yeah yeah we i think are saying the same thing i specified the montage the standing up montage? Uh, yes, yes, that one. Yeah. No, I like that part. I agree. I, it could have been much more powerful than it was, but, but I like the uh, symbology. Hey, symbolism. <laughs> um, so I, I agree with you, and I'm just going to go ahead and roll right into the one thing I would change because uh, I mentioned it before, and you actually just touched on it, so it's a good segue. Uh, the easy thing to say to change, I think, would be the soundtrack. Um, but I would say make the Earth flashbacks more poignant um, because as great as I thought that montage was and it was my favorite part of the movie, I think it could have been like a real like give you chill, uh, chills inducing moment where you're like, oh man, this is so uplifting and powerful if it had done some of the other flashbacks to help build you up to that moment. So that's the one thing I would change. Like make those flashbacks and the earth stories like build to this huge moment where then she gets that montage and she has her powers and you're like, yes. And you come away going more like, yay. Right. Agreed. That'd be a good change. Okay. I wasn't sure if you were agreeing in the sense that that is your, also your change or if you're just agreeing that, is that not that was my a good also change. 
My also change is change the director to anyone else who has done a Marvel movie to date because all of them would have done a better job. Well, all really? Of them, all of them? All of them. So who directed Hulk? Doesn't matter. I don't even know who did. Louis, Louis Leterrier? I, think he- I don't know. It, it looks like it could be French. I'm sure I'm butchering that. Oh, my God. He did the transporter. <laughs> He would have done a better job. Maybe we would have a... Listen to this. In uh, an oily Jude Law fight scene. <laughs> are you ready for this dude's filmography? Okay, let's hear it. Here's who you are saying could do a better job with Captain Marvel. He directed Unleashed. Jet Li. Uh-huh, okay. okay. I was waiting to see no, if you recognize I'm it. Aware. Yes. Transport. Okay. <laughs> Transporter 1 and 2. Yes. Grimsby. I have not seen Grimsby. You, you are aware. Uh, uh, yes. It. Okay. Clash of the Titans. Okay. And Now You See Me. Okay. Yeah. Would have done a better job. Ooh, man. I mean, I, I don't know obviously you chose the worst director so far. Uh, but <laughs> even him, I think, would have done a better job with what he was given with this. You give him even this script with this cast, I think he would have done a better job of... I just, I, I think they'd truly drop the ball with, with who they brought on. It does, too. So yeah, I, like I said, I think I think they tried to make a character study out of something that was really hard to do a character study with. So I, I like it, they tried. Whether to you want to call that a mismatch? They tried to do a character study and didn't do anything with the characters. Is what I thought. No, no totally agree. And I think that's because they got into it and were like, oh god, we have all this other Marvel baggage, and so that's either a mismatch on the studio's side for hiring character study directors and then not really allowing that to happen or whether they just couldn't figure out how to mesh that correctly. So, uh, yeah, I'm not disagreeing with you. So casting change, who did you change? <laughs> so we've talked about it. I, I you got to get Annette Benning out of there. <laughs> and then as a replacement, <laughs> as a replacement, I, I felt like this movie obviously was trying to hearken back to, uh, 90s movies, 90. I mean, because there's some T2 references in there, a Top Guns and 80s movie, but that's in there. Um, so I, I was trying to think. Did okay, you see Last Action Hero in Blockbuster? Yes, I did. And she shot the <laughs> head off of Pierce Brosnan, true, maybe? In, no, no, True Lies. Oh, that's right. That's right. I thought it was a GoldenEye uh, cardboard cutout, but then when they cut closer, I saw Jamie Lee Curtis. I was like, nope, it's a True Lies. So yeah, okay, gotcha. I, so, I actually think that there are four Schwarzenegger movies in that scene. And I was trying to count them. And I was like, did I get four? As she was walking through the blockbuster, I was like, why is Schwarzenegger so predominantly in this? <laughs> <laughs> I thought we might get a cameo later or something. But it's like, they had uh, True Lies. It had Last Action Here. And I think T2. I think there was another one. But I need to go see it again to try to pinpoint those. But it's like, why is there so many Schwarzenegger all right here? <laughs> yeah. So what I did in trying to recast Annette Benning, because even Annette Benning, I feel, is like a, a, a straight out of the 90s pick, just not the right one. So I tried to find some 90s female characters that I thought would, or actresses, I should say, that I thought would be good fits. Um, I toyed around with a T2 person in Linda Hamilton. Um, Cause I was trying to find somebody who was female, but still could be like a tough fighter pilot kind of, you know, scientist slash fighter pilot kind of vibe. Uh, so Linda Hamilton crossed my mind. Demi Moore crossed my mind. Um, I even, as I was thinking about it through, I got to Jamie Lee Curtis, but that, that really did not fit for me. Um, I ended up, saying I would have replaced Annette Benning with Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver. 
because I also thought Sigourney could pull off the Supreme Intelligence vibe as well if they still went to go that route. Right. I, I could see that. I feel like I just saw her in something. What was she just in? Wasn't she in one of these comic book movies? Uh, she might have been. I, I the, the most recent one that I always think about when I think of her is Chappie. Maybe that's what I'm... Th- I know I've seen her recently in something that I was like, eh, I think I'm done with Sigourney. <laughs> yeah, I think she needs the, the right role. I mean, you know, she was obviously in Avatar, um, but I, I think that there just hasn't been a lot of right roles for her. Um, so yeah, I, I, the, the last one I think of is Chappie. Oh, she's in uh, The Defenders TV show on Netflix. Oh, uh, okay, I don't watch that. Yeah, she wasn't good in it. It was. It was. She blew her her Marvel wad already. I heard it wasn't very good. It wasn't very good. It, they should have just left Daredevil alone. Yeah. So why don't you leave Sigourney alone and just chalk it up to a bad series? <laughs> well, yeah, but you're not gonna cast her again. Eh. I mean, it's Netflix. Okay. <laughs> so I'm guessing you stayed with Annette Benning. I also got rid of Annette Benning, and uh-huh. my first choice was to recast Marvell as the guy he's supposed to be and I went with Dennis Quaid so I thought that was Boo. a perfect choice for uh, him come on that, ha- that's however one, one you are going back on what this movie's trying to do and they cast her as a female so forget that and then two quit picking Dennis Quaid Dennis Quaid is an amazing man and he <laughs> was perfect as a guy who would have been uh, a badass Marvell at the time and uh, he, I think he fits that character. However, I did pick a female, knowing that that's what we're going for here. Uh, and so I did the same thing as you. I was like looking for an older actress that could also do supreme intelligence and have kind of a fire behind her. Um, I, although I do kind of like your uh, your Demi Moore pick. I did, that didn't cross my mind. Um, I'm not sure if I like that or not. But yeah, me either. Uh, that's going, why I didn't pick her. Um, I, I went older than than Demi, and uh, I went Susan Sarandon. Okay, because I she's, felt like she could. I felt like she would. She's the age that they were going for, um, but also she could get angrier, and she's got a little swag to her. So that's where I was going with that. See, she she was one of the people that came across too, and she. I don't know. She kind of almost feels like she would be too. Uh, the word that comes to mind is regal. Like I could picture her being Thor's mom. Um, like because I I think of Renee Russo because she was one of the other people that came up. I was like, no, she's already in Marvel. I can't do that. Um, I just don't see her having like the, the the grit that like a Linda Hamilton or a Sigourney Weaver and and, maybe, and that's just what I was trying to go for because I, I have a hard time buying Annette Benning as a as a pilot. Right, a pilot or supreme intelligence. And Sarandon kind of strikes me as the same way, but in a different kind of vibe. Now, I haven't seen Linda Hamilton in, what, 20 years? I have well, no idea what she even looks like. Again. I know, and um, I, I'm anxious for that in the new new Terminator movie, but I don't know where, where she's been or what she looks like or how, you know, what, what all that looks like. So she never crossed my <laughs> mind. But yeah. I, 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 I like where you're going with that. I would have liked to have seen a throwback. Uh, Throwback Hamilton. I well, yeah, especially when you, especially when you're going to go ahead and just start making all these nods to '90s uh, references. Yeah, you, yeah, the, the T2 reference and all that kind of stuff. I, I think Hamilton would have been a, another little nod, maybe maybe too much. 
Yeah. Well, I I actually like it better than my my student Sarandon choice. So I'm gonna I'm gonna audible out and go go Linda. <laughs> Steal mine, damn you. Yeah. Well, that wasn't even yours. If we, your, if we uh, were if, if we were keeping that score, was your runner that'd be up. Mine. That's true. <laughs> All right. What award did you give this movie? I went with best condensed origin story because they took uh, a lot of crap and they crammed it into into this. Like it, it was truly it was a, it was a difficult task to get a, a nod. Like they even went. I didn't like really the way they did her costume changes. Um, you know why why could they do that? It didn't make sense that, that uniform would be able to do that. But it was a way for them to run through all of the iterations of Captain Marvel. Sure, kind of like uh, kind of like Spider Verse with the uh, the Spider Cave, all the suits there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it was it was a little nod to all the different different suits, almost all the different suits that they they wore. They didn't get into the 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 super skimpy ones that uh, I wondered what I, I thought she was like going to walk through the store, you know, and see something like that. The super skimpy ones that she she's worn in the past and kind of it was like hell no or so something like that, you know. But they didn't do that. Yeah. Um what would you compare it to though as far as like you're saying best condensed uh, are there other condensed origin stories that you would say it compares to and actually you you brought up spider-verse um and i'll go live action condensed <laughs> I, because, I Spider-verse, your Sp- because spider-verse did did a did a phenomenal job of running through backstory and didn't miss a beat and there's a lot to go through with all the spider people and they did a fantastic job, but this is live action and they just had okay. to, there's, there's the only way you can get into that is by cramming it together. And it, it made sense. Uh, I didn't like the way they do it, but they, they made her and they, they brought in the Tesseract as well, which is cool. Um, they made that a part of her origin story. So she's got some infinity stone-ness in her already. And so I li- I liked how they 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 changed it, but it was a necessary change um to give her her power. So that that was that was cool. So my question still stands if you're giving it the best live action condensed origin story. Yep. I'm, what what other condensed live action origin stories are there? Well, I mean every every superhero has you know 40 years of of origin that you're trying to cram into the beginning of a movie. Yeah, you know. So are you saying it's the, are you saying it's the best live action origin story? No, because some are pretty easy. <laughs> I'm saying it's, it's, right. a, it's a condensed reimagining. I'm just saying if you want, if you're giving it the best of something, I would assume that there's a a, a pool of condensed stories that you're picking from, and I, I was just curious to know what the contenders are in that. Well, I had a, a rough time formulating this into a into an award. <laughs> but I thought yeah, I was trying to give them a nod for taking the all the history of Captain Marvel and cramming it into one movie. And so, thank you for re- just you know what, just pull it back. They don't get an award. Get no, an award. I, I think I think no, it's no, just no, uh, no award for Captain Marvel. They're, they're unworthy. Look, I I have a 13 year old son, and I help him with math all the time, and he has to show his work. All I'm asking <laughs> is that you show your work, Carson. I'm just looking through since 1968. And all of the the different ways and the different characters that she was, and they crammed all that in, and they made it work. Um, at least that part of it in a convincing way that that still acknowledged all that. Um, 
So that's what they're getting an award for. Call it what you will. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, what about I, you? What, what, what did you give it, Brainiac? Oh my God, you're gonna yeah, you're gonna jump all over this. So I <laughs> gave it the best swerve of a Powers Booth casting. Do you do you do you get what I mean by that? Best swerve. Yes. Where was Powers Booth? No, there was no Powers Booth. This is why I have to explain it. So okay, we, we, like, where's, like, where's he at? The the, the, the Powers the the, he's only no, a no, bad guy. No. No, right, exactly. So here we go. The the powers booth has to be in quotes. So I was doing air quotes when I said that, that you or nobody listening could see. So you okay. and I have talked about this before on the podcast, and it's one of our kind of inside jokes that uh, frailty, when we watch that, they try to make you think powers booth is a good guy. And the whole time you're watching, you're like, nope, forget it. It's powers booth, always a bad guy, right? Always. So I kind of give it like... Alert on frailty, but go ahead. Hey, the statute of limitations is way gone on that movie. Um, but so, so I always refer to guys who are always cast as bad guys as like powers booth casting, right? It's like, you can't be anything else. You're just a bad guy. So in this case, it's Ben Mendelsohn, right? Like the swerve of him being a good guy. I actually didn't see coming because as soon as they showed him on the screen, I was like, oh, well, there's our bad guy and we know what this is going to go. So what I'm trying to give the movie an award for is like, the best swerve of a typecasted bad guy turning good. And I just gave it like, you know how I named the Liam Neeson screwed everything up award? That's my, that's sure. my name of the award. The, the powers yeah, booth but, casting but is like... the first time you give it away it was to Liam Neeson. <laughs> yeah, he got his own name. <laughs> he got his own trophy. Nowhere, nowhere to be found in this. No, no. So this is like the, the powers booth, air quotes, typecasting. So the, the person who always gets cast as a bad guy, no matter what they're doing, in this case, it's Ben Mendelsohn. He's always a bad guy. I cannot, th- I cannot think of a single movie where he's not been a bad guy. And so my award is that it's kind of the best swerve on the typecast bad guy being a good guy. Yeah, and you put me on the spot there of me trying to, trying to come up with that. But I'll have to fight you another day because I'm trying to... <laughs> trying to can't... <sighs> yeah. So I'm running through actors, okay? So who are our typecasted bad guys out there? Well, and I know, but that's the thing. Swerve. Yeah, exactly. And then you have to come up with a swerve. So, I mean, in, in showing my work, I don't know that I have one where a stereotypical bad guy ends up being a good guy in a movie. So this this might be like the first time I can ever think of that happening. Because, you know, obviously, if you're a stereotypical bad guy, how often do you get to... And it's not just that they get cast as a good guy in a new movie. It's that but they, they swerve the you in it. Yeah. So yeah, that's where I'm at on this movie. Uh, what about uh, Rampage? Josh Brolin. Wait, Josh Brolin is in Rampage? Yeah. Now, is he really? Cowboy? Yeah. Wouldn't he the cowboy? Did I put just Josh Brolin because it was Summer of Josh Brolin? No. Are you, are you, I mean, are you no, 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 no. Jeffrey it's, Morgan? Uh, it's Negan. <laughs> it's Negan. <laughs> it's Negan, yeah. I was like, wait, yeah, what do I, I know? Josh yeah, and that he ends up being a good guy. Yeah, but I I don't always chalk. He's him always up a, bad a bad guy. guy. Is he? He's always he's always a bad guy or a a bad, very suspect guy. Always. Yes, <laughs> yes, suspect. Very, and he was cast as a bad guy. You thought he was going to be the bad guy. He made a swerve. Given this God, is better, so you can still get that award. But, but he did it too. I hated that character so bad in that movie. <laughs> 
Wow. Uh, I, he I was um, give, give Brolin a fourth movie last year. <laughs> yeah, who is he in Watchmen? He's uh the comedian. Is the that comedian? Who he is in that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that that was my award. Wow. That's a long. That's a long way around. I told I told you before we started this episode, before we hit record, I said I have my award. I'm trying to figure out a way to give the award without explaining it for five minutes, and I, I think I failed. Yeah, I think we're like ten minutes into your award right now. But the good news is both of us had really crappy awards this time, so I don't have room to talk. No, the best news is that so, our listeners are trying to pick up on our lexicon of our inside references, which is Powers Booth casting means if we refer to somebody as being like Powers Booth, it means they're always a bad guy. Yes. So log that in your, your notes, listeners. Exactly. Believers. So if you like this, you'd like what? I'm super proud of this one, by the way. I, I, I oh. want to toot my... Yeah, I want to toot my own horn on this one. Okay. I, I went with Long Kiss Goodnight. Really? You yep. stuck with the uh, Sam Jackson? So I stuck with 90s. I stuck with okay. somebody who I also considered casting for Net Benning, which was Gina Davis. Um, yeah. It's a Sam... It's, no. <laughs> yeah, no. No. I think, yeah. I, no. No, no. There's, there's a reason I didn't pick her. <laughs> um, but she's paired with Sam Jackson. She is. She has amnesia, although in the case of Captain Marvel, she's powerful and cannot remember her normal life but in long kiss good night she's normal but cannot remember her assassin life and then the other nice little you know wrinkle in all this is that that was written and directed by shane black who wrote and directed iron man 3 that's like a triple word score and yeah he did (laughs) yeah (laughs) we we don't talk about that so yeah long kiss hold on that's what i would say hold on i feel like you're not answering the question though sure have you seen A Long Kiss Goodnight? Uh, yes, I have. Like, recently? No. And, and again, I, I know where you're going to go. I mean, I mean, <laughs> this is where it gets kind of dumb with this question, because if you're really going to say... The easy answer is to pick another Marvel origin story, because they're templated and so much alike. But I'm trying to make my case that uh, if you like the relationship between like Sam Jackson and the female lead, and the the whole amnesia angle and a... And a lead heroine who can take care of herself kind of thing uh, appeals those themes and those types of story and characters and actors appeal to you then i think there's some correlations that can be made over to long kiss goodnight interesting i mean i i don't think if you like this you'd like that because that's not a very good movie i think that i think that I mean, the question if, could, we're, if we're if we're gonna revamp our question we're fine revamping our question of saying what movie what obscure movie parallels this one? Well, no, <laughs> but I think that, I think that's okay. I think that's where you have to show your work because I think there's a very superficial way to read this, which is if you like this movie, then you would also like this, and it's like the okay. Well, then you'd probably like Thor. You'd probably like Wonder Woman, and that's the easy answer. And I think it takes no explanation to say why you would need that. But I think there's also times where we can dig a little bit deeper and say, okay, if you like the themes of this movie or the way this movie was structured, here's another one that may not fit the template, but you may also like this other movie because of these themes that carry over, these this type of relationship between the actors. So I'm trying to, especially on the Marvel movies, I feel so lame saying like, well, if you like this, you'll like Thor. You like this, you'll like Wonder Woman. Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, exactly. So like, you know, maybe when it's like in a more obscure movie, then picking a more generic movie appeals to me. But when we're talking like 
you know, oh, if you like Guardians 1, you'll like Guardians 2. I mean, that's, uh, I hate doing that. So that's why I try to dig deeper on that one. Well, it's it's funny that you mentioned that because my first two go-tos were Guardians and Wonder Woman. Guardians for the space feel and just they did it better at what they were trying to do here. Uh, Wonder Woman for the the girl poweredness of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, so then I started trying to think of other other girl power type movies. I was looking at the new Tomb Raider, um, which I can't say that if you liked this, you would like that because they're so different, but they have the same kind of keep getting up themes. Um, so I went through a cycle through a bunch of those type of movies and I, I just came back and, and fell on the easy guardians did it better. And it's, I feel, I do feel like it was a cop out and I didn't like it, but I do like it better than your choice of a long kiss. Good night. Cause that's not a very good movie. It doesn't matter if it's a very good movie. I at least did my work. And it, see, somebody could listen to this and <laughs> okay. be like, well, I see the points he's making, but that doesn't really sound like it appeals to me. Um, but I also feel like by picking Guardians, like most everybody in the world likes Guardians. They may not love it, but they at least like it. So it's also kind of like a safe, like, okay, Marvel movie to Marvel movie, Marvel space movie to Marvel space movie, one with lots of music, one with lots of music. So I'm not questioning by in any way, shape, or form the accuracy of yours. I'm just saying that it's, yeah, it's safe. It's superficial. And I think that's a perfectly good pick. I was trying to go a little bit more obscure with mine. All right, so I f- I feel like that's what we're we're gonna do from here on out. We're just gonna we're gonna go deep. I think it depends on the go movie. Deep. Like I said, nope. <laughs> I nope. think that's what I we're think, doing now. <laughs> I think <laughs> if we changed ha- our podcast <laughs> questions, and, and this is us from now on, of we're going deep and trying to find as many random parallels as we can to justify our case. All right, Look, here here's my what philosophy. movie? What movie does this remind you of? And then we'll just go from there. We'll just change the whole question entirely. Look. Here's my approach. My, it's, it's pretty simple. If you have a deep cut movie, I think it's okay to offer something more generic that somebody might gravitate to uh, from that deep cut movie up to something more generic. But if you have something more generic, I think it's nice to give people a deep cut that they might go explore uh, to see if they would like that based on some you know evidence or cohesive parallels that you can find in that. So I just don't see a lot of value in saying... You know, if you like Thor 1, you'll like Thor 2. That just doesn't, that's not telling me anything I couldn't get on a quick Google search. So I'm, I'm trying to help people out. By making them watch A Long Kiss Goodnight? No, they don't have to. I gave them my explanations for why I thought that they would like that. If they sat there and were like, well, I didn't really like the Brie Larson, Sam Jackson thing. And, you know, a female assassin trying to remember her assassin life doesn't, that doesn't really sound like it appeals to me. I get what he's saying, but no, no, thanks. That's cool. You don't have to do that. At least I'm spilling it out You're for you. You're also putting it on the same level of quality of movie. Because if you like this, then you'd like that. Get what I'm saying? Well, because it, well, it, but I'm, I'm saying there's two and a half at best, and maybe a two movie. Right, but there's it depends on your reading of that. It, it's a very generic statement. So I think you can go deep on it, or you can keep it generic. But if, if you Google like, uh, what else would I like if I like Captain Marvel? You're gonna get Avengers and whatever. So like I'm trying to cut give you the thing island. that <laughs> don't get cut, cut island. <laughs> hey, make make your case for it. That's all I'm saying. Make your case. If if listeners think that you've got a valid case and it sounds good, worth exploring, then we'll explore it. Otherwise, you know, you know, you just stick with the the Marvel universe and just run through that. All right. 
You've changed the game. Tune in uh, next well, week. Yeah. Tune I'm a game changer. Week. That's what I do. <laughs> yeah, what are we doing next week? Do we know? Oh, wait, I do know what we're doing because I messed up. I thought Us came out this coming weekend, and it doesn't. It comes out March 22nd. So that means Correct. we're doing Triple Frontier, the Netflix movie with Ben Affleck and Oscar Isaac and Batfleck? Charlie Hunnam. Yeah, Charlie Hunnam and Garrett Hedlund, who I, to me, like, I picture them both in my head at the same time, and I can't tell who's who. Well, my wife will my wife. Uh, not put up any resistance for any Charlie Hunnam movie, so. <laughs> yeah, so, that, so that, is, that is next week. Triple Frontier, I believe, comes out on Netflix on the 15th, or maybe the 13th, I can't remember, but it's sometime this week. And that's what we'll be reviewing next week. So that was a good segue. I don't know how we got there, but we did. (laughs) All right, we wrap up Captain Marvel. Yep, that's it for Captain Marvel. That's it for episode 83. Uh, As usual, rate us on Google Play, Apple Podcasts. Make sure you subscribe. Keep talking to us uh, on Facebook, on Twitter. And I think that's about it. We will catch you next time. What should we do next? Something good, something bad, bit of both, bit of both.